today's reflection, we're going to delve into the Holy Spirit and one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, one of the, the fruits of His presence in our life. Uh, I should introduce myself. I'm Father Daniel Brandenburg, Legionary of Christ, and uh, originally from Iowa, and, and I currently live in Cumming, Georgia. And the Holy Spirit has always been present in my life. And I think in every baptized Christian, the Holy Spirit is present and active in our lives from the day of our baptism. It's baptism that opens the doors to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, indwelling uh, of the, the Trinity in our soul. And then it's confirmation that unleashes that even further. Uh, in confirmation, we receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a deeper or more mature way in our lives because we're uh, saying yes to the presence of God within us and we're trying to respond more fully uh, to His grace in our lives. So who has the Holy Spirit been for me? Um, first of all, the, the Holy Spirit is not some inanimate force, uh, like in Star Wars, the force be with you. The Holy Spirit is not some um, disembodied power or spirit or ghost. The Holy Spirit is much more than that because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Blessed Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the love of the Father and the Son that is so substantial, so consistent that it is the person of the Holy Spirit. When love is so tangible and real that it becomes, and in a sense not becomes because that's our own human limited language of speaking of, of God, but it is that love of the Father and the Son that is the Holy Spirit and has been from all eternity. Um, and so the Holy Spirit for me, is it's always been based there in, in, in Catholic doctrine, Catholic teaching, what we know from the fathers of the church, what's revealed in scripture. Um, but practically, the Holy Spirit has always been very present in my life, um, not just theoretically, it's for all Christians through baptism. Um, when, right before I was born, my parents got involved with the charismatic renewal in, uh, in Iowa. And they had grown up, both of them, you know, they went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. They were high school sweethearts, got married uh, right after high school. And uh, they had kind of a reversion to their, their faith through the charismatic renewal, uh, also in part because of a miracle that took place in my dad's life because some people in the charismatic renewal prayed over him and he had a miraculous healing from a diving accident in which his shirt vertebrae were shattered. And that, for my parents, was, was instrumental because they saw the power of God working through the Holy Spirit, through the intercession of other people, I saw that God was real, God was alive, God cared for them and in a very particular and poignant way by healing my dad from uh, this diving accident. They got really involved in charismatic renewal and I was born about a year later and so growing up uh, my parents were part of a, a prayer group, charismatic prayer group, and we sang all the songs, my dad was the prayer group leader for a time, my mom was a in charge of the music. She's a musician, a wonderful musician, and she uh, learned to play the guitar so that she could lead the music at the prayer groups. And so as a little child, I grew up in that environment where we're constantly invoking the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit's guidance. My parents would pray out loud as a family, praying for the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that made, I mean, the Holy Spirit was not some distant reality, but he, he was God who was there for us and would guide us when we needed help and we needed to discern what God's plan was and His will in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit from a young age was, was there present. 
Now, you don't have to be in the charismatic renewal to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. I mean, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives, are for all uh, baptized Christians. Uh, and what are those fruits of the Holy Spirit? Well, we know them from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm taking here from the UCAT, which is the youth version of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 311, says the fruits of the Holy Spirit are charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, modesty, self-control, and chastity. What beautiful gifts. Wouldn't our lives be better? Wouldn't our world be a better place if everyone had these fruits of the Holy Spirit in their life? Uh, and I want to focus in today on, on, on goodness. What does that mean, the goodness that comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Immediately comes to mind that passage of the rich young man where he approaches Jesus and says, Master, you are good. And, and what do I need in order to attain eternal life? And Jesus' immediate reply is a little strange. He says, why do you call me good? God alone is good. In a sense, Jesus is, is challenging him to go to the next level with his faith. He already recognizes in Jesus, here's one who is a great teacher, a, a rabbi, a master. But Jesus is challenging and says, ah, but do you recognize the presence of divinity because God alone is good. You're calling me good, but do you see in me that I am the second person of the Blessed Trinity? And the young man kind of avoids the question and doesn't respond. Jesus never forces us. The Holy Spirit never forces us. God, and he will intimate his will to us. He'll show us the way, but he never takes away the gift of our freedom. We're always free to choose him, to choose to follow him, or to reject and to turn away, as is the case in, the, in this, uh, the story of the rich young man who turns away. What is this goodness that the Holy Spirit brings? Well, it's, it's not merely a, a human goodness. We can all have, you know, a good-natured uh, grandparent who's roly-poly and jolly and and just brings life to a party. Or we can have good-natured people who are always friendly and saying kind things. But the goodness that we're talking about here that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit goes much deeper than that. The goodness of the Holy Spirit is the goodness of God, the source of all goodness. And so where we can live out a, an ancillary or secondary goodness in our lives as human beings, in as much as we reflect God's goodness, the Holy Spirit brings the, the fullness of goodness into our lives. The goodness that, that fills us with the presence of God. And that's really the, the goal of our, our whole Christian life. It's a union with God, and, and it's allowing the goodness of God to, to so fill us that we are fulfilled, that we are happy, we're completed as human beings. So when we talk about the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit being goodness, we're talking exactly about that completion and fulfillment that God wants for us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where He takes possession, not in the sense of being possessive, but His goodness so permeates us that we become God's goodness to those around us. We reflect His goodness. Um, it's kind of like a, a sponge 
You know, I, I'm sitting next to the creek here. I don't know if you've been, been hearing the rustling of the water. It's just, it's a beautiful place. And I figured if I was gonna record a 20 minute video, I was gonna do it in a beautiful location. But you know, if, you, if I were to take a sponge and place it down here in the creek, what would it do? It would soak up the water in as much as it can to the limited degree of the size and the uh, porosity of the, the sponge. In a similar way, our soul is like a sponge. And if we immerse ourselves in God, He fills us to the, the, the maximum of our capacity. And so our task in, in life is not only to be filled, to be, but to be fulfilled. That is, to expand our capacity for love, to expand our capacity for goodness. And the more time we spend with God, the more we listen to Him, the more we spend time in prayer, the more we develop our spiritual acuity, the more our capacity for goodness increases. But spiritual life is not a static thing. I don't, you know, somehow decide that I'm going to reach a certain level of sanctity and I'm going to, I'm going to shoot for this and have my goals. No, the spiritual life is much greater than that because in the spiritual life we're entering into God's dimension. And we're not just a limited sponge. God wants us to become a massive sponge we, and to take on the dimensions of His grandeur. And it goes beyond our capacity. This is what the Eastern Fathers of the Church talk about as the divinization of our humanity. That is, God wants us to more and more take on His goodness. And when we talk about the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we talk about goodness in particular, we're talking about expanding our capacity to allow that fruit of the Holy Spirit to grow our capacity for goodness and, and for reflecting God's love and beauty and bounty and mercy in the world around us. And if we all did that, if we all allowed ourselves to, to be imbued with the goodness of God, oh gosh, our world would be such a better place. You know, when you, you think about it, sometimes we talk about how important our apostolate is and the things that we do and how we have to grow in our faith. You know, all those things are secondary. What's really most important is our growth in holiness. It's our growth in goodness. It's allowing God's love to permeate us so fully that it's no longer just us acting. It's not just our human capacity in play, but it's, it's a reflection of God's goodness to the world around us. And so, how do we do that? I mean, it, it, it sounds so appealing, and, and we all want that goodness, I hope. We want to grow in, in the love of God, and we want to reflect that more fully to the world around us. So how do we do that? Well, this is where the gifts of the Holy Spirit come in. You know, when the, uh, the apostles and disciples were gathered in the upper room after the resurrection, they had faith. I mean, yeah, okay, they doubted, they had their difficulties. They, even when Jesus ascended into heaven, they still struggled and said, and they were all confused. Is, is this the time you're going to re reveal yourself? So yeah, they were confused, but they had faith. And, and to a certain degree, they had hope and charity. But it, it's, it's the event of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, that really transforms these fearful men and women into apostles who go out and transform the whole world with the message of the good news. And if we would also 
allow God's goodness to be reflected in the world around us, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need him to come and to magnify our human capacities. There's another beautiful number from the, the Catechism of the Catholic Church in the UCAT version, number 310. It talks about how we achieve those fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life. And if we would attain that goodness of the Lord, we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The UCAT says in 310, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. With these, the Holy Spirit endows Christians. In other words, he grants them particular powers that go beyond their natural aptitudes and gives them the opportunity to become God's special instruments in this world. I love this passage from the UCAT because it sums up in a really powerful way what happens within us when these gifts of the Holy Spirit become a reality in our lives. It, it talks precisely about that expansion of our capacity. It endows Christians, that is, he grants them particular powers that go beyond their natural aptitudes. You know, in our human level, we're here. When the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and fills us with his grace and his power and his presence, our capacity is out there. It's way beyond what we can handle, what we can do, what we're capable of. This is what happened when the Sanhedrin called in the, the disciples, Peter and, and the others, after they've been working miracles and preaching about Jesus, and they said, these are uneducated men. How is it that they're doing these things that we hear about? How is it that they're, they have this confidence and this lack of fear? And Gamaliel has the wisdom to recognize, gentlemen, if this is from man, it's going to die out on its own. If this is from God, don't fight against it because you may find yourself fighting against God and that's a losing prospect. And so the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are so important in our lives because they expand that capacity. And what are those gifts? Well, wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the capacity to see things as God sees them, to see them from His perspective, to have the, the long-term vision that's not merely uh, a strategic vision, but it's a God vision. The capacity to see beyond time into eternity. What is the gift of understanding? Understanding gives us to that, the, the capacity to go under the, the surface value of things. To understand is what is underneath the surface? What, is, what are the, the motives? What are the things that are in play? What are the, uh, the dynamics that are, are taking place in our lives? It gives us a perspicacity to recognize the workings of God and of human nature uh, at a degree that's beyond what we can understand as human beings. Knowledge, knowledge that is, knowledge is, is uh, knowing facts, it's knowing uh, the circumstances around us, but the gift of the Holy Spirit gives us a knowledge that taps into God's knowledge. It's not just limited to our five senses and to our intellectual capacity to recognize what's going on around us, uh, or the brilliance, which is also a gift from God, but these gifts of the Holy Spirit bring our knowledge to a whole other level because we tap into the knowledge of God, which is there's more intuition. It's not limited by our senses. It's not limited by uh, the dimension of, of time and space. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit that we receive that, as the Catechism says here, takes us beyond our natural aptitudes. Now, these are, are, are beautiful. Um, oh, I, and I skipped one. Counsel. How can I skip counsel? 
counsel is, uh, you know, we, we all, when we, we need some advice, when we need someone to give us some insight into things, we, we ask wise people, right? Uh, we ask a friend, we ask our parents, we ask people that we know are experienced in the spiritual life. But the gift of, of counsel is a, tapping into the wisdom of God. When we ask for this gift, and when we receive this gift in our lives, we are able to, uh, to have the, the wisdom and insight that God gives us, and not just a human wisdom that's shared from others. Then we have the last three gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, piety. Oh, I missed something again. Oh, gosh. Fortitude. How could I get, forget fortitude? Um, you know, fortitude is the, 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 the gift, or the virtue on a human level that enables us to be strong in the face of challenges and difficulties. As a gift of the Holy Spirit, though, it takes us beyond our natural aptitudes. So what I would have the courage to resist is as far as temptation or a difficult situation or persecution on a human level, when I have the gift of the Holy Spirit, there's a strength that I can't account for. A strength that enables me to resist temptation, difficulty, persecution, even martyrdom to give witness to Christ and to the truth. You know, none of us knows how we would react if we were called to give up our life for Christ. But when you look at the lives of the martyrs, the lives of the great saints, it wasn't their power that shone through. It was the power of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of fortitude to give us strength in the face of difficulties. So when you're facing challenges, don't just rely on your own strength because then you're going to fall on your face and you're going to look like a fool. No, when you are facing difficulties and struggles, turn to the Holy Spirit. Ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life of fortitude to resist those temptations and difficulties and struggles. And then the last two, piety. What is piety? Piety is that holy justice. That is to give honor and respect to our forefathers, to our country. That's where the patria comes from. It's, it comes from piety. Uh, piety is to, to give that due respect to our elders, to those who deserve our respect. But as a gift of the Holy Spirit, it goes beyond that. It is the justice towards God. It's to give to God what is his just desert. And what does God deserve? Well, our Lord reminds us uh, in, in Scripture. He says, uh, whose face is on the coin? And they replied to him, uh, well, it's Caesar. And, and Jesus says, well, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. Each one of us is, is marked in the image and likeness of God. And that's not because of our ugly face. You know, I'm, <laughs> I haven't got much going for me there, and I'm going bald, you can see up on top. Uh, that's not the image and likeness of God. The, the image and likeness of God is stamped on our soul. And, and we are to give all that we are to God. And piety is that gift of the Holy Spirit that enables that act of self-giving in the different circumstances of our lives. Uh, in different times of, of difficulty and challenge, Piety is that gift of the Holy Spirit that enables us to continue giving and receiving uh, that, in that relationship with the Lord. And finally, fear of the Lord. Now, fear of the Lord is not fear of God in the sense of negative sense of, I'm afraid of God who's going to punish me if I don't do what's right. 
um, that if I, if I step off the right path, I'm going to be castigated by God. Uh, it's this image of God, some Zeus up in heaven with thunderbolts who strikes us if we do the wrong thing. That's a pagan image of God, and that's not uh, a Christian image of God at all. God is our Father, and we all have a natural fear of our dad, right? He was bigger than us, uh, he was stronger, sometimes he'd get angry. Uh, there's different ways that we, we fear our, our, our earthly father, but those are only very shadowy images of how we ought to fear God. The fear of God is not uh, a fear of he doesn't love me or he's, he's going to hurt me. The fear of God is a, is a deep respect. It's recognizing the truth that yes, at the end of our lives, we will be judged uh, for what we've done, what we've neglected to do. But much more than that, it's, it's about a relationship of filial love, of recognizing that I am loved by God the Father and that He calls me to love Him in return. It's a fear of the Lord where we recognize that He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, which is humanly impossible for us and would be a, an onerous burden if we didn't recognize that that perfection that He calls us to is not a perfection that we can achieve on our own, but it's, it's the being perfected in His love. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It's not our work. Christianity is not a self-help religion. Yes, we have to contribute and we have to work with God's grace, but it is primarily God's grace working within us through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through sacramental grace, uh, through our baptismal grace, the grace of the other sacraments. God's grace working within us that elevates us and brings us into that filial relationship with God and, and, and a true fear of the Lord. It's a, it's a fear based on love, uh, not intimidation, not that he's coercing or, or taking away our freedom. In fact, our freedom in its fullest sense comes not from independence, but from dependence. In Galatians, uh, St. Paul talks all about the freedom of Christians. Where does it come from? And the freedom, as St. Paul describes it, is not an independence, it's not merely the power of choice. The freedom that he talks about is a status that comes from the fact that we are adopted sons and daughters of God. So inasmuch as we live our relationship with God, we are close to him and he gives us the grace to live in the freedom of the sons and daughters of God. That's the source of our true freedom the relationship with God, our dependence upon Him. And so what can I say in closing about the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. I think that's something for each one of us to pray about. I don't have any pat answers there. I don't have anything that I've prepared. So we'll ask the Holy Spirit for guidance here. You know, I do that all, all the time in my life. Um, when I I always try to pray before each activity that I do and ask the Holy Spirit for light and guidance to know what to say, what to leave unsaid. Um, sometimes I don't do a very good job of zipping it and I, I put my foot in my mouth so many times, and, but I think if I listen to the Holy Spirit better, I wouldn't do that so often. Um, but we do need to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance in our lives. When you're faced with a tough question, a difficult family decision or a business choice that you have to make, or 
in, in those moments to ask the Holy Spirit for light, to stop and, and either out loud or in the silence of your heart, invoke the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, guide in me what I ought to do in this situation, how I ought to act or react. I think if we took more time to pause and ask the Holy Spirit for his light, for his gifts to be manifested in our lives, we'd be happier, people around us would be happier, and we'd make better decisions and choices in our lives. The fruits of the Holy Spirit would be more present, particularly the goodness of God. So as we wrap up these reflections, I'd like to pray together with you uh, the Holy Spirit prayer. And it's a prayer that we learn and practice in Regnum Christi before most of our activities. It can become a routine for us, but I think it's good to step back and actually always unite our sentiments and our heart with the words that we're saying. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, send out your Spirit, and things are created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, you taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in the same Spirit to know what is truly right, and always rejoice in his consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may God bless you all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.